Hey, welcome to the Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. We are your hosts, Eric Sturgeon. And I'm Russell Sorry. This podcast is about all things Wisconsin, history, music, culture, and beer. Although we don't often use strong language, the content is not intended for young audiences, so listener discretion is advised. If you love the bluegrass music you hear in this intro, please check out Dang It's from Madison, Wisconsin by visiting their website, dang-its.com. Now on to the show. All right. Welcome back to Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. This is your weekly dose of the Dairy State. We are your hosts, Eric. And I'm Russ. And today is an extremely special episode for us. Uh, We have officially made it to... 50 episodes. I can't believe it, man. It's been <laughs> just a long time in the come, and I'm glad we made this thing. It's just awesome. Yeah. Uh, and, and honestly, what was born, birthed out of uh, uh, a pandemic and just sheer boredom and uh, just a desire to uh, get some sort of normalcy of seeing friends and, and enjoying something, uh, Russ and I literally you know, came up with this podcast and decided to to take that risk you know and and see each other you know a couple times a month to record some episodes yeah we like like i said with the covid we recorded some of these ahead of time obviously just in case one of us got sick but luckily knock on wood neither one of us ended up getting the vid well i got the vid you did i did get the vid but uh it, it didn't affect our schedule at all because over the the that december to january period we were very uh ahead uh i think russ and i had at least eight to 10 episodes already built uh, completely and scheduled. Um, So there was a point in time where Russ and I didn't see each other for uh, probably a month and a half. Yeah. Something like that. um, Yeah. Just to make sure that, you know, everything was cool and kosher. And then now I've got, I've got, uh, as of this recording, I have half the vaccine. When this comes out, I have the full vaccine. Russ, you've got your schedule I for got the, the first f- shot. I got the first shot and the second one's so coming out. So by the time so this honestly wait. comes out, you have the vaccine as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. And so. yeah, I mean, it was great. I mean, it was just two buddies having a couple beers, sharing ideas. You know, our love for the state. We wanted to inform people that don't maybe know this stuff about Wisconsin. Yeah. You know, I've lived here my whole life. and I Even most I'm, of this stuff I didn't know, and, and I know you were the same way. It's It's more about just like... Uh, gathering the info because of uh, our own love of the state and and just doing our own personal research and watching um, old episodes of Around the Corner with John McGivern, Discover Wisconsin, yeah. uh, or Discovery Wisconsin, any any of these things that just sort of led us to want to want to talk about it a little bit more. And hey, if if some of our listeners are from the state of Wisconsin and they're just trying to gather some cool info. Or you could be from an entirely different country and you still want to get some of this info. Hey, we got it's a so lot cool. of people in other countries. Yeah. UK, Australia, Germany, Ireland, Germany, There's a ton. South Korea. We got a lot of cool listeners that yeah. actually tune into us and actually want to learn a little bit about this small northern state in the United States. You know? Yeah. Again, we we both love the state of Wisconsin. And uh, so, so here we are. I mean, we wanted to build in that love of uh, Wisconsin as well as our love for local music and going and seeing these uh, lesser known bands that are going to make huge impacts from our state here. And and we wanted to give you all some exposure to them. And um, yeah, so I mean, I hope you guys can sit around and like, it's just like drinking with friends with us, you know, like that's what we wanted to do. Kind of like we're hoping you're home right now, sipping a couple brewskis and listening on in. Yeah. You know, and and that's the other thing, our love of uh, beer and beer making, uh, 
beer tasting, beer making, all things beers. That's the other thing. You know, we we you know just have such a passion for um, you know the 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 state of Wisconsin, the music, the uh, the culture, the sports. beer, sports. We're, we're all about it. So. Um, and, and we just wanted to sort of open up and share with uh, anybody who is willing to listen. And uh, we will continue to make, you know, content and uh, eventually have a Patreon where uh, we're going to do some really special events. We're going to be doing a lot more giveaways and uh, public appearances as well. So um, we, we really hope that you continue to enjoy and listen. And with this being our 50th uh, episode, and, and how we continuously say that this is your weekly dose of the dairy state, we figured how fitting today's episode, we are going to discuss exactly how Wisconsin became known as the dairy state and uh, any of the events that kind of led to that title. Um, I mean, it's obviously on our uh, license plates and, and, uh, and, and everybody sort of knows us as the dairy state. So uh, we also are featuring great Wisconsin music from, the dang it! You might recognize you from might the recognize intro. them from the intro. Uh, so uh, we do have another beer review for you as well, which is beer is questionable to call that beer. We will We're, we'll we'll explain yeah. later in the episode. So we will tackle that, and it will be uh, a mystery until that time. We also have another edition of how many locos you at, as well as a great interview with the man himself. Tom Wazelchuk of the Dangits. I can't wait. So this is awesome. Uh, honestly, without any further ado, why don't we just go ahead and jump right into the main story? How did Wisconsin become known as the Dairy State? All right. So this one took a little bit of digging, and uh, I went to the library. I went to uh, the picked historical nose, society. I picked my nose. I got I got all my test tubes out, and I was calculating all this while I was. Just kind of yeah. playing this episode. He, so. He's got a weird 1980s uh, uh, chemistry kit that he I found at, at Goodwill. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the low-budget chemist. Yeah. So so I'm, I'm sure everyone, as you can guess at this point, we are called Dairy State. But there's actually quite an interesting story that leads us up to becoming a leader in dairy and cheese. Before dairy, the primary cash crop of the time was actually wheat and not dairy. Which is actually why the, the Milwaukee Brewers logo has the... Uh, string of wheat underneath it, uh, you know, exactly. many other and, things. And a lot of people don't even and realize. Beer. So this crop specifically became a cheap source of investment for a decent yield for many of the early settlers in the area. This crop is fairly easy to grow here and obviously a no-brainer. I mean, like you, you put the seed in the ground, let it grow, yeah, cut it down. At, at one point, Wisconsin even became known as America's breadbasket. And uh, can you imagine that on our license plate? America's breadbasket. Put her in the old breadbasket. <laughs> From 1840 all the way up until around 1880, one-sixth of all the wheat came from Wisconsin, causing farms to pop up all over and actually span the entire horizon that we can still see today. And a lot of these old farms from around that time were wheat farms. They were not dairy farms. They weren't set up that way. They're set up for hauling in the wheat, putting it into the barn, drying it, getting it ready for a market. Yep. And I know our farm specifically is around this time. I think our farm was 1886. um, And... You, you don't even tell. have you don't even have a parlor there. No, we have one stall, obviously yep. for probably goats or something. Well, small it could there. even just be for the the home, the milk for the home. Yeah, and we actually have a shed, which is like a cooling shed where you could you could put milk eventually, but you can tell it was put on later on when they had to convert to a dairy farm. Got it. So, 
Wheat, however, would eventually start to pose a few problems for Wisconsin. For one, the crop is very hard on the soil and depletes nitrogen-rich topsoil very quickly. Yeah. And we all know nitrogen is essential for healthy crop growth. Many things could impact it as well, including weather and insects. And we all know Wisconsin weather can be summer in one second, winter the next on a dime. And, today, and in fact, spring. today it was literally uh, snowing. It, it flurried even today as we, as we started to record. So. And during the late 1850s, the quality and the yields began to diminish. And Iowa and Minnesota, because they were just becoming a state, they actually had all that topsoil ready to go. So they would quickly become, they quickly take control and become our highest competitors. Right. Yep. So in 1860, devastation struck when tiny insects called chinch bugs. And I was, I was laughing about yeah. chinch bugs, chinch and chong. Yeah. Like these little fucking pinchy bastards yeah, destroying those, our wheat. Those snarly looking son of a bitches <laughs> began devouring the wheat crop the bugs event usually are not in such large numbers but due to them in the the abundance of the food source they started to explode causing much of the crop started to be devoured by these little shit bags so <laughs> <laughs> these little cinch bags <laughs> little chinch bags get yeah. out of here so you know it, it's crazy because when you have a pest problem like, like for example, we plant corn often, one after another. And if there corn is bugs. a bug, if there is a bug that starts to develop, they know they have a food source every year, so they'll just keep coming back and multiply. Well, right. I mean, it, they're honestly they're they're just adapting to uh, the the land and the resources. Exactly. They know food's going to be there next yep. year, so why would you leave? Yep. So, so to compensate, income livestock began to start to take a hold on our state, and the number of dairy cows started to explode. In 1899, more than 90% of all the farms had cows in our state. Believable. Pretty nuts. Yeah. And the dairy industry started expanding quickly for several reasons. Many of the enterprising dairy farmers who settled in southern Wisconsin in the 1840s and 1850s were New Yorkers. Hey there. At the time, New York was the leading dairy producer in the nation. These New York settlers brought with them the skills needed for commercial dairying and butter and cheese production to Wisconsin. Most of the earliest dairy operations made cheese rather than butter because it kept longer in the days before refrigeration. Well, so, I mean, you sort of require fermentation or moldiness to yeah, I mean, to make some of it too. So yeah, I mean, dude, people like so there is a cheese in France. It's a delicacy, and it actually has maggots in the cheese. Can you believe somebody would eat that as a delicacy? Hey, Christ, we, I, this is actually really funny. We got rid of Andrea's uh, 2010. Rav four because somebody left a sandwich in the back. In, Cripes. Yeah, so we were at a a concert at at Alpine, and somebody left a you know a little you know a little bit of a sandwich. We went on vacation like oh. m- maybe a day or two after the the Alpine show. We were gone in Vegas for almost a week. By the time we got back, it had been boiling in the back of a you know Rav four in July weather. And uh, what are maggots to do but? Exactly, multiply. and then so <laughs> we ended up getting rid of a, a a car because of Meg. It's not, and, and you know what? We did sell it as a delicacy. We did tell the dealership that hey, you know this had maggots in it, so this is a delicacy. <laughs> You're gonna want this 2020, 2010 uh, uh, Rav Four. This the, the sandwich was pristine for a couple couple Absolutely. months. Absolutely, this is this hot. is this is the finest uh, you know piggly wiggly. Uh, uh, sandwich <laughs> whatever <laughs> we've continued that one a little long this is the the deli deli surprise in the back seat here, <laughs> so, so much delicatessen <laughs> delicacy so we got we have to mention charles rockwell who was one of the earliest cheesemakers in wisconsin he produced at the koshkanong near fort atkinson in jefferson county yeah. in 1837 is one of the first ones to truly bring the market to wisconsin 
So German and Scandinavian immigrant families were also quick to adapt dairying as a profitable way to to, to farm. Yeah. They specialized in a lot of the European-style cheeses that appealed to consumers, and Wisconsin became particularly well-known for Swiss cheese, and it actually still is today. Um, Wisconsin always gets a title for Swiss cheese. Yeah. We are like the Swiss cheese masters. Um, Broadhead, which is by me, mm-hmm. like Decatur, wins all the time. Yeah. They're Swiss cheese masters. And that's the thing is that, you know, at, at almost every single one of our family gatherings, um, we, we do. We have a, a Swiss cheese plate with some... Uh, with some nice meats as well. And so much of the success of Wisconsin dairying came to be attributed to the efforts of William Dempster Horde, who we actually talked about in the butter episode. He was yeah. a huge supporter of the dairy industry. The oleomargarine. And he actually and became butter. governor of the state. So Governor Horde was the one who actually really helped the dairy industry take off in our yeah. state. He tirelessly promoted the industry for nearly 50 years. He started the Wisconsin Dairymen's Association in Watertown in 1872. Though primarily a marketing association, the Dairymen's Association also provided educating and new dairying methods through its publication and meetings. So these farmers would get together to talk about ways to make it easier, cheaper, more affordable, how to make more yeah. profit. They would honestly just share their uh, their their different methods and and uh, ways to do it easier and uh, and to be more profitable. And this is like before the time when like Oberweiss and uh, Foremost and you know Golden Gersney, who has since went under. But yeah, the, the Oberweiss and, and uh, um, Foremost are the two that you Kemp's, see the, the best. You, you know, see the some biggest. Kemp's a lot too, which yeah. is still around. But they're kind of the ones who own all these small dairy operations and still buy from them. Because it's it's honestly the the way that all of them have to go. It, it's just the only way to make money. Yep. And I know for a lot of people and a lot of dairy farmers, they switch to Oberweiss milk because you can get more per the gallon because it's organic or grass-fed yeah. more. So you have to let your actual pasture sit for so long to allow the soil to remove all the nutrient out of it and all the waste and you have to let them graze more. It's more of an organic yeah. milk. But a lot of farmers switch to that to make a little more money. Yeah. Understand today. Yeah. And, and honestly, when they come to collect, I mean, that's the thing is that they, they are, I believe, inspected to make sure that, you know, things will meet up to Oberweiss standards. And, and most of them will have, you know, their uh, their dairy operation farm sign out front, the family farm sign that now is, is uh, it says Oberweiss Ober- Farm yeah, or exactly. it'll say Foremost and, Farm. You know, the good thing is, you know, those cows are treated well. You know that they're making great milk. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, they, it's, a good, it's a good thing to have on your farm. Exactly. It's not some big uh, operation. You know, most of them are probably, I would say, anywhere from a hundred head or less, 150 head or less, something like that. Yeah. And I mean, growing up around cows, man, I, I love cows. I'm going to be honest with you. I grew up around them. I love them. They're super sweet creatures. They may have small brains, but they're really sweet animals. I've been bitten by a few, uh, uh dairy cows. Um, I've, I've been, if you smell sweet and you're anywhere near them in their pen or anything like that, you might get chomped on a little bit. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like the uh, Holstein bulls will fuck you up. I'm, yeah. I'm going to be honest with Pedro. you. Pedro. Pedro's a fucking dick. He was an asshole. He was a fucking dickhead. That was and like the sorry family. And farm he was, he for, was uh, cow, or uh, the, the, yeah. And your, he was your, like, he was like my buddy until he like started getting a little T levels boosting in his system, even though he removed the balls, but he knew, he knew he's like, I'm going to know what's going to happen. I'm going to be burgers hey, in a minute. You're a cute kid. I'm going to walk around with you while I'm a little calf, but when I get older, I'm going to F you up. He yeah. knew from the beginning, he was just going to F me up. So yeah, uh, onto the story. <laughs> Horde also established a dairy newspaper, Horde's Dairymen in 1885, which quickly became the nation's leading dairy magazine. 
And the spread of dairying was also helped by the uh, UW of Madison, which actively promoted the industry in the late 19th century through scientific research. The first professor of agriculture, William A. Henry, used the university's farm to experiment with new dairying methods. The university also promoted the use of cylindrical silos for storing feed and cattle during winter. And you're still seeing that today. Yeah. The silos are a big thing. They were established at UW-Madison, which is really impressive. Yeah, that was honestly just a feat of engineering and and research from right here in the state. It's amazing. And Professor Stephen Babcock, who we also have to mention, developed the first test for butterfat content milk, and this allowed high-quality butter and cheeses to be manufactured consistently. The university's College of Agriculture also pioneered testing for bacteria that led to practical methods of milk pasteurization. And if you're in, like, FFA or if you've been in FFA, you know about the butter tester. And yeah. we owe credit to Stephen Babcock. Yeah. So it's pretty imp- It's pretty impressive. Really, really impressive. In the 1880s, the university began offering agricultural short courses and winter courses in the Madison area to educate farmers on the benefits of dairying. Its farmers' institutes held around the state also brought farmers and scientists together to share ideas. In the 1870s, leaders of the growing Wisconsin cheese industry organized several professional organizations to promote their product and overcome farmer opposition to the cheese industry. The transition from wheat to herdsmen had been difficult for many farmers. Providing milk regularly for cheese making required more regulation and more confining routine that for farmers used were, who were working independently. And, and all that is due to like cheese is like a fermented product, right? It is, yeah. It, it's, it's made from a stomach acid. Basically, it's, it's a rent is what it's called. Or, or is it rent? It's something like that. Is it W-R-E-N? Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like a acid you put into cheese, and that's what makes it coagulate into a and cheese. And curdling or something like yep. that. Yeah. And it is ju- it, all it is is like a stomach acid. And yeah. a little quick side note, and I didn't put this in my writing, but so it was actually discovered by, um, I think it was in Egypt, and what happened is like these people needed to, to haul the goat milk across the desert. So what they did is they, it's rennet, sorry. And so they, oh, yeah, yeah, rennet. Yeah. So they would put it, they put the milk into a goat stomach to haul across the desert. But what they realized is that it curdled and made a really good treat. So these goats that these Egyptians were carrying are actually how cheese was actually discovered, leading to uh, Wisconsin to follow. So yeah, pretty absolutely. neat, pretty neat history. Which is, which is like you said, it's just a, it's a complex you know, enzyme that exactly uh, or enzymes that uh, really help produce this, but it's literally from the stomachs of, of mammals. Yeah. It's, it's just rennet is what it's called. You would literally, it is rennet. Yeah. And uh, it, it is just such an odd scientific discovery right? that you and I think of today, you know, these, uh, all of these really great, uh, um, advancements that we have uh, whether that's uh automobiles or you know the the internal combustion engine or you know flight or anything like that this is honestly one of those as well yeah like, it's we really... wouldn't have cheese unless somebody uh scientifically you know invented it wisconsin owes a lot to egypt i'm gonna be honest like cheese and beer like they discovered um you know natural yeast and making wines and beer early sure, on sure. so Meads like just yeast or... yeah just just for fermentation they discovered fermentation they discovered cheese because yeah. of somebody carrying milk in a goat stomach across the desert and it fermented and made a really good food right. and people were like oh hey this is pretty good that's pretty crazy so by 1915, Wisconsin had become the leading dairy state in the nation, producing more butter and cheese than any other state. We have continued to remain one of the largest producers, but today California does lead, however. The state is much larger than our state. So per landmass, we still are the largest producer, if it was per landmass. Because right. California is huge. 
Oh, Let's yeah. Be honest. It's massive. a massive state. It doesn't look that way on a map, but if you were to take California and post it over Wisconsin, it's like three Wisconsins, right? Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, we're still the world's top cheese producers, and we have a lot of the master cheesemakers in Wisconsin. The Wisconsin, like, cheese mastering, was a lot of it is done in Monroe area, actually. And, and honestly, more people call out the fact that they use Wisconsin cheese than they do, say, like, California. Yeah, I mean, oh, you ever see those commercials, Happy Cows? Our cows aren't sure, that sure. bad. Yeah, we have a harsh winter, but we treat our cows pretty well here. Everyone Absolutely. I know treats their cows better than they treat some it's of the people they know. Not 100 degrees all the all, all the time. Right, exactly. So that's going to conclude how Wisconsin became the dairy state, and we hope you found it fascinating. It took me a little bit of digging to find all this research, and I went to like a lot of local libraries, Wisconsin Historical Society, and we really hope you appreciate it and actually found some wisdom in this. And uh, now on to our music segment. All right, so today, again, for our music segment, this is very special. Uh, These are, are, this band is is just as much an integral part of of this show as as how many locos and beer and all that other stuff. We're talking about the Dang It's, they are our uh, intro music. They're, they're, like I said, just, just as much as a prominent piece as all of this other stuff. Yeah, Tom Musseltruck's just such a great guy. He's allowed us to use music on here. And, you know, we, we hope we can help them out, too, to get some exposure. We hope you guys hire them for weddings, parties, or whatever else you're going to use them for. They're just great people. Yeah. They're bluegrass, country, Madison, Wisconsin. They're local. Just an amazing band. Tom also teaches bluegrass music. So, yeah. you know, I don't know if he's still doing it or not, but I know Tom Porter said he did from yeah. uh, Lake Louis. So maybe he still does. So you can hit him up for that. Just a great guy all around. And today we're featuring the song Cabins by the Dangles. The motel sign is flashing bright red neon through the glass. Why did I ever leave my home and let this come to pass? As I listen to the cold rain beat upon my window pane, I see the wretched streets below that never will wash clean. This city life weighs heavy like a chain around my neck The only thing keeps me alive is when I can't think back To the mountain home I left behind My folks and all my kin And my blue-eyed girl, I wonder will I ever see her again The memory of home grows so much sweeter Each passing day I miss it more and more How I wish I had Each passing day I miss it more and more How I wish I had 
mind. Little Blue Ridge Log Cabin, home in the pines. Round the bend, from the valley, near the river, on the mountain of love. Sunday go to meeting in our Sunday shirt and shoes. We raised a hog and a milk cow and a couple of chickens too. And a flea bit blue tick hound dog with three legs we called Old Blue. We didn't need no computers or no fancy picture phones. Just an old guitar and a banjo and a couple of fiddle tunes. And looking back, I guess we were as poor as we could be. But that Seemed like a palace to a kid like me And I wake up from my reverie And remember where I am I swear that with my next paycheck I'm a-going home again Cause there's nothing more important Under heaven up above Than a cabin full of family On a mountain full of love The memory of home grows so much sweeter more and more How I wish I had the wings Of an angel Homeward through the clouds I was soared Like a dove To my little blue ridge Log cabin home in the pines Round the bend From the valley Near the river On the Again, that was the dang it's of Madison. Uh, absolutely fantastic uh, uh, music. Some of the best musicianship we've heard on this show and and uh, just in our lives listening to music as well. Um, yeah, I remember I purchased every single CD and uh, I just fell in love with them. And I'm so glad that they allowed us to use their music in the intro because they are like one of my favorite Wisconsin bluegrass bands. Yeah. Besides, I mean, obviously I like Horseshoes and all the other ones we featured, but they yeah. were one, the first ones that kind of got me into everything. So Yeah, and, and, and uh, Russ and I can both attest to this. We weren't really bluegrass listeners uh, growing up at all. Uh, no, we listened to like we, alternative we rock. We would listen and, and, and maybe indie. the... The Emo. closest, the closest thing that we got was uh, older country music. That yeah, yeah. Even back then, you and I were like a little bit uh, opposed to it. Uh, yeah, for so, sure. So definitely, uh, as we've grown up, we have grown to really appreciate all that musicianship. Remember to reach out to the Dang It's if you've got something coming up and you think that they'd be great for for that event or a wedding or something like that. Reach out to them because they also still play. Uh, those events and things. So uh, reach out to them. Now we have a very, very special uh, 50th episode uh, beer review. Can you call it a beer? That's the question. It, it is brewed Oof. like a beer. So All right. It is a malt liquor, so it we is. give you that. So Okay. <clears throat> uh, so today we are going to be reviewing uh, the Four Loco Blue Raz. All right. Let's get started here. So the Four Loco <laughs> Blue Raz Sour is 
ABV. So we might get lit up. We're each going two loco today. Yeah. We're not because we get. We're sharing. We got, a can. I got to chill out after this because I got to drive yeah. home. So we're going two loco today. The can is a hell camouflage yeah. of red, blues, teals. Like I know this thing's gonna wreck me, dude. I haven't drank in one of the. This thing is a gnarly a whoop ass in a can that's gonna just absolutely drop kick me in the face. All right, Eric. Eric, what's your uh, first thoughts on this? What do you th- well, What are you thinking? Cheers here? first. Cheers before we... to uh, fifty episodes. It's here. been a few years. Russ and I haven't had one of these babies in about maybe four or five years. Oh yeah, it's just like I remember blue rash. Jesus Christmas! Whoa, God, that is a. Mm, it's a sour punch. sour punch to the nuts. Yeah. So this one, like, like I said, we 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 have been four local aficionados for a long time. <laughs> we in our younger days, we have done some dumb shit on four locos. Like me and Eric, we we like cross country road trip on four locos as well. Yeah, so Colorado was a uh, uh, an easy dr- the fourteen hours to Colorado was easy on these babies. Oh man, yeah. I mean, we were younger. We definitely had some road sodas, which Good. AKA four loco grief. The whole th- and, the, and, and, and as ride. we as we said before, the the origin story of how many locos are you at is actually because of this drive to Colorado. Uh, yeah. Yeah. As far as, you know, we would buy, I don't know, uh, you know, six or seven, four local cans, pass them out to, uh, the individuals in the vehicle. And we'd say, drink up. And then as, as the ride goes, you know, we might be, we might say like, how many locos you at now? And that's just how much of the can did you drink? <laughs> yeah. Right. Each, each can com- consists of four, total locos and if you've got a half can you've consumed two locos yeah in this i've never actually had the blue raz this is my first experience of the blue raz sour yeah and uh, i'm gonna be honest it's it's sour it's, it's like sour. it tastes like a uh, a candy like a sour candy yeah, a sour that's blue patch kid with vodka dumped all around it like mm-hmm. hey here you go buddy i mean i'm not gonna oh, lie this thing, i know it brings back memories of doing dumb shit every time it? you drink it you're just like it it gives you a little shiver down your entire nervous system. It's just stupid delicious. Uh, we wish that they would uh, do something uh, as far as sponsoring the show or sponsoring a segment. We love locos. Am I going to be honest? I'm a, I'm a huge you fan know, of four as, locos. As a honest. kid, as a kid, I sucked these down because you could get them. You and know, remember, that was the original uh, yeah, recipe. Yeah, with the caffeine this in is, it. This is no longer the original recipe. We just we do want to let that be known. Uh, and and who knows if any of the original recipe even exists anymore? So uh, do you, does somebody hold those cans and sell them for, I don't know, fifteen bucks a piece? So you remember in high school getting these? Because I think they were like a a dollar, a dollar ten or something, something like that. Dollar fifty. So you just you'd get someone who was twenty one to get these for you, and mm-hmm. you'd load up your backpack, your and, Jansport cooler, and just throw these bad boys in there. And we also did uh, Sparks. Sparks, sparks too. Energy oh, was I definitely sucked some was, Sparks down too. Hey, it was basically a vodka. Uh, Red Bull in one can it was like, with like three Red Bulls to a uh, hundred parts vodka. <laughs> it was stupid. And same with the Four loco. The original recipe was like, I mean, it's it's like taking a Jackie Chan forearm to the jugular. You, you know, I, I'm going to be honest with you. Like I was a pretty awkward kid in high school, but when you get a Four loco in me, I'm like, Popeye, I'll talk to the hottest girl at the party. You were I'll more jump off a roof. Yeah, no, probably. <laughs> I would talk to any girl at the party. I'd jump off the roof in the pools. I'd streak naked. Four yeah. locos. You provided this experience for me. Thank you. Yeah, four loco. Honestly, thank you for. Uh, I don't know the the greatest uh, young manhood I could ever uh, imagine. Nobody wanted to see my cock and balls, but when four loco came in, I'm everyone saw my already. cock and balls. I've taken four or five sips, and I'm I'm hammered. 
Nobody wanted to see a helicopter, a sorry helicopter. Let's be honest here. That Nobody wanted to see it. But yeah. when you get a couple four locos and you're hitting eight loco, you don't even remember you did it. You're oh. like, oh man, they call they call you the Apache. You don't remember the last maybe couple years of your life if you drink, you know, two or three of these babies. Full cans, by when, the way. When your nickname is Apache or Blackhawk and you're like, <laughs> why did I get that name? Well, why do you guys call me that? You had eight loco and yeah. you kind of just did a little helicopter in front of everyone. Blackhawk down Black for so long. down. Because my shit yeah. was limp and I was, was swinging stupid. in circles. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what, though. Um, what a delicious product that they provide uh, to the world. Uh, absolutely fantastic. We still love it. You know what? We love the story, too, about the uh, bros in school who created this. The yeah. uh, the college bros. We're all bros. Me and Eric Jesus are bros. Jesus Christ. You threw... <laughs> you <had> splashed. <laughs> You're going to be stuck to that chair for a while. Yeah. So... But no, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I love the story behind it. It's I cool that some frat bros created it just to get drunk and have fun all night. And to study. And to study, too. I mean, like, who doesn't, like, how do you when you're stressed out, hey, you lose the stress, you're up all night. How do you want to get, you want to get drunk? And I want to study. I got a product for you. For Loke. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we had a review. You're not going to retain any of the information that you studied, but... You know, it's been it's been years since we both sucked these down, so it's really cool. It's bring back some memories of having some good yeah. times, just a lot of fun. And honestly, where where this show is uh, sort of uh, you know uh, created out of the out of the depths of the four loco hell, uh, Russ and I literally said. <laughs> Do you think anybody's going to want to listen to us ramble about stupid shit? No, let's throw in some history. And then they'll be forced to. Yeah, exactly. Because you guys want to hear about the cool Wisconsin <laughs> history. And then, uh, you know, we tell you about our personal experiences and, and life uh, life happenings with Four Loco and other major booze corporations. And here we are. Yeah, and honestly, go and check these out. There's a lot of different flavors. I mean, there's a watermelon now, the, Blue Raz. And the only two that I saw at Quick Trip, uh, I went with uh, the Blue Raz, but the other one that was there was the Lemonade. The Lemonade? And, and the lemonade's good. We've had it, but the blue raz looked great. We hadn't had this one before that I could recall. And uh, I don't remember. I, don't I also don't recall any time we've had uh, four loco at all. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, once you hit an eight loco, you're kind of down and out. But uh, we've definitely sucked a lot of these back. Um, if you got a chance, you got a safe drive. You know, you're not going to get in the trouble. Please try a four loco. As always, we never condone DUIs or drunken driving no. in general. Get an Uber, if, or if you have a safe place to pass out, have one of these, man. You're going to have a great Sunday or Saturday. Yeah, honestly, call an Uber energy. call an Uber and uh, consume a four loco while you wait. Yeah, I mean, you, you got the energy, but you're also going to be just kind of less stressed out and hammered. Yeah, you're going to so slur gonna get your a words, lot done. You're and you're like, also going to dunk a basketball. Hey, I got the roof done last night drinking four locos. I don't even remember doing <laughs> it, but hey, the roof's you're done. You're going to walk outside. And the roof is all cockeyed and swirly-toed. Hey, no rain's getting in at least, hey? Four Loco did it. I don't know. All right. Now on to, well, what a fitting uh, intro, What right? a fitting intro. How many Locos you have? Whoa. Rough. So uh, We got a good one today. Yeah, well, because this is, we're this also probably... about one full Loco deep each, so this we is gotta, great. Yeah, we each got one Loco right now. And we're going into this one. It's uh, pretty impressive. I'm going to be honest. This guy uh, probably is a local drinker. I'm going to be honest with you. Holy moly. Um, so the the uh, article headline is, Man jumped into the lake to avoid drunk driving arrest. Uh, the sub 
uh, title here says authorities say a drunk driver hit a car driven by two security guards. He then jumped into the lake and tried hiding from authorities. Oof. You know, hey, this does work in like Bond films and other things where you're like trying to hide from bullets. Wow, that was really good. Or maybe it's not. And we're just, we're just on Lokes. We're just on Lokes. All right. So uh, authorities in Racine County say that a 38-year-old Racine man jumped into Lake Michigan in order to avoid a drunk driving arrest <laughs> after he hit a car right occupied by two security guards. According to a criminal complaint filed in Racine County, two security guards were patrolling Racine's east side in a Metro Public Safety car on the night of August 9th when they saw a gray Cadillac run a red light at the intersection of 4th and Lake. Oof. The security guards told investigators they went on to patrol the area of Reef Point Brew House located just to the east uh, on the campus of Reef Point Marina in Racine's Harbor. Never heard of any of those I actually things. know where that's at. I've been oh, nice. there. Yeah, because I, I, I like to go to that beach. It's one of my favorite ones to take the kids to go swimming. Yeah. So, so yeah. So the security guard said uh, they parked their car near the brew house only to have the same gray Cadillac back out of a parking space and right into their vehicle. Oof. Yeah. Not ever a good I idea. Said, no, definitely not. According to the criminal complaint, the security guards attempted to confront the driver of the Cadillac, later identified as a uh, 38-year-old male, and noticed he smelled of alcohol and was swaying from side to side on his feet. The security guards radioed for more assistance, but uh, before the sheriff's deputies could arrive, the individual ran down the causeway of the marina and jumped right into Lake Michigan. What a hard ass. Yeah. He's trying to get I'm away. out. See you later, dudes. Uh, sheriff's deputies from the Water Safety Patrol arrived and began searching uh, for the individual. A deputy who responded to the scene spotted the individual as he clung to the swim platform of a boat docked in slip number 33. Uh, and that's where he was arrested. Oof. So uh, let's go on to see if do there's think, any do you think there's the no boat, information here. Do you think the boat's name was Bastamouth? It probably. Okay. Yeah. All right. Or a Dutch rudder or Dutch something. Rudder. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so according to the uh, sheriff's reports, the uh, individual who was clinging to the platform uh, refused sobriety tests and was uh, arrested on suspicion of drunk driving uh, and also uh, resisting officers. So um, he was later charged with his fifth the drinking and driving. Holy smokes. And... Uh, he he, uh, he was later convicted and, and found guilty of all that. But so, uh, I mean, what do you think? I mean, this guy's a true James Bond, dude. Yeah, he's drunk. really he's trying to get rid Who of. Who are the, you? Drunk. He's yeah. real drunk. Who are you? Jaws, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, he just jumped into the lake to yeah. hide from police. So I mean, I got to give the guy credit for trying to get away. Doctor, I mean, it's pretty impressive. No, I ain't taking this shit. So what do you think he would have done if he got out? Do you think he would have just called in his car stolen and been like, oh, my Cadillac got stolen. I don't oh, know what yeah. happened here. If they would have been like, oh, I don't know where that guy went. Where'd flippers go? Here's the thing. Yeah, he would have easily flippers. been like. <laughs> <"Where'd> flippers. <laughs> where, his name is Flippers now. Yeah. He'd have been like, yeah, I have no idea. I don't know what happened. My car was possessed or something. And I'm going to be honest, like the extreme level of that might have been a loco drinker, to be honest with you. Oh, the, to be yeah. fair. Racine County, loco. Loco malt liquor. That screams loco. Okay. Also, the the gray Cadillac. 
That guy's got to be loco. Dude, Cadillac and- isn't uh, known for the the old person, you know, rich folk kind of car anymore. It's kind of like, hey, we found this on uh, on a you know like a shitty uh, street side dealership that's just sort of like a you know, I don't know. Maybe it's a stolen car. You never know. <laughs> One of those types of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, to me, it's just like I feel I feel like this is really loco. Yeah, no, it is a definitely this a local a story. Loco. You know, the guy, like he's 38 years old. Um, They don't give us a uh, blood level. Um, But you know, I don't know what? I don't know how long he stayed in that water, but I'm going to be honest with you. Lake Michigan does get warm, but not that warm. Not really, yeah. So, I mean, like he must have had some it's too balls. Big. He it's must too have, big. He must have had some balls to jump in there and actually hide from these police officers. So we got to give him credit. Was, you know, I, as much honestly, as I don't condone drunk driving, we got to give this guy credit, honestly. Like that's pretty creative. And when your blood is that thin already... Jumping into a cold lake, I mean, you're you're really risking a lot of stuff there. So, I will go ahead and say, uh, I mean, this is this screams a real loke. So, I'm gonna this is a, this is a real loke. I'm thinking I'm gonna I'm gonna dive on this one and say sixteen. I was thinking the exact same thing. Yeah. I think a sixteen local on this one. This is like so when you're at the eight local level, you might not know what's going on after that, and like he's one after that because this is pretty yeah. extreme. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's definitely consumed uh, four straight cans of dude the just, blue Raz. Dude, just bobbing next to the Bastamol, yeah. just waiting for the officers to get him. Yeah, honestly, he wasn't clinging on to that uh, swim platform of a boat at uh, Slip 33 for any other reason than he didn't realize that he, could, he couldn't he could even swim anymore. His uh, limbs and, and uh, extremities were completely shut down because of the cold water. <laughs> And he was just like, shit, I better stay on this thing so I don't die. I'm going to be honest. Like, you know, if, if it was me, I, I'd probably put on floaty wings and just drift out to sea at that point. Like, you know you messed up. Just drift out and let Lake her... Lake Michigan. Let Lake Michigan take you. Yeah. You know, Get at that point. capsized by a pirate ship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So 16, 16 loco, loco. We're going with 16. Hit the gavel. All right. So we wanted to do a quick promotion for a uh, sorry... Yeah. Kind of a sorry thing. This is kind of a, you know, a family thing, you know? Yeah. So we, uh, my cousin Grant, sorry, has a amazing candle business right now called Smitten and Sundays, and they produce amazing soy candles with amazing scents and uh, just a lot of cool things. They're really rustic looking. You know, hey, remember the toilet episode where we talked about stinking up that can? Wouldn't it be yeah. great to have one of these in there? This, Honestly, this use, help? yeah, use a match, light a Smitten and Sundays candle, soy candle, and uh, all of your uh, your poop air is down the drain, baby. It's going to smell so much better in there. Yeah. And I mean, they're both great people, Morgan and Grant. I was just at their wedding. They're good people. Yeah. And if you can go over to their Facebook page, like them. They're just really cool people. They make great stuff. It's high quality, all soy candles. They make sense, too, for burners and everything. Just sure. amazing. Like like the wax. You know what I'm talking? The wax melts. Yeah. Have you seen those? Yep. I'm sure you have. Absolutely. You're, you're up to date. I'm not very cool. I'm yeah. going to be honest with you. But these are really good. You could really use some smitten and Sundays. Dude, I would stick one of those wet melts right between my cheeks, man. I am <laughs> yeah. stinky, dude. You could, you could chafe a good smell right into you. Oh, yeah. You just Heck yeah. pop one of those babies between your thighs. But no, please go and check them out. Like their Facebook page. It's called Smitten and Sundays. Uh, it's my cousin Grant. Sorry. He's a good kid. And uh, he actually has a really cool wife, Morgan, who is awesome. I was just at their wedding. I danced it up. I looked like a fool. Hey, yeah. that's me. 
That's just who I am. Yeah. But uh, please go and check them out. Like them. Uh, buy one if you can. They're uh, they're have like really good quality. It's all handmade. Just great stuff. Check them out. All right. Today we're here with Tom from the Dang. It's Tom. How are you doing today? I am great, Russ. Thanks. Yeah, so Tom, can you give us... How are us you guys a, doing? We're doing pretty good, actually. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, early morning here in the studio, and we just wanted to get you on. It's our 50th anniversary episode, so we yeah. figured we need to have you on. <laughs> and, <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, and, and we were going to ask you, too, uh, we, we got a song lined up, too, so uh, we're going to share that with our audience, too, if that's all right. Oh, yeah, whatever you want to do, yeah. Sure. So uh, can you give us some background on the uh, Dang It's and how you guys got started and how you got into bluegrass in general? Well, um... Gosh, uh, I started I started the Dangits in 1998, and it started out really as as more of a of a country band. But at the time, um, I I was interested in country music, um, but um, in at, at that time in the in the late 80s and 90s, um, there were well, I guess I'll say in the 90s, c- country music on the whole started sounded sounding pretty crappy to me yeah, <laughs> yeah i agree, I agree. But, but, but but so i wanted to put a band together that that kept the what i thought of as the best elements of country music and you know a lot of honky tonk um um western swing um cla- stuff with a classic feel um and uh and so we were we were more straight ahead country back then when when my singer for the first eight years um uh took her career in a different path i um uh the, the woman that replaced her happened to be a, a multi-instrumentalist and, and banjo was her primary instrument so you know just you know we just started adapting more bluegrass now i had started my career in music in, in a straight ahead bluegrass music um uh in 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 the late 80s uh and uh so so that's you know bluegrass has always been well, no matter no matter what I've done, and I've done a lot of different genres of music, um, uh, I'm bluegrass. I've always been playing bluegrass music here or there with with friends or sometimes in bands. And and yeah, the Dangits now does feature uh, more of an acousticy bluegrass sound altogether. So, so that, that's basically it. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy because like I, I I always talk to Eric about this how I used to love the old country going up north with my grandpa. Mm-hmm. And we're to actually like tell you a story. It's not like formulated or like you know right. pandering to yeah, an it doesn't audience. Pander, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, right. Like right. like uh, old school Buzz Martin, Willie Nelson, you know the Outlaws, yeah. Johnny Cash, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and and you know those trends in country music. I don't want to bash country music. Yeah, I do want to bash country music. <laughs> yeah, those right. Trend, those trends. Those trends have only gotten worse. You know, how many songs do you do you need to hear a guy singing about? his girlfriend in his in in tight short blue jeans and in, in, in next to him and sitting next to him in the pickup truck yeah you know, exactly you know 18 20 27 i don't know i don't want to hear that what, <laughs> i don't want to hear one of them you know? what, what's what's that formula they say it's like rural noun simple adjective so like red truck blue jeans it's just yep. like that simple it's like it's it's just cold not, beer yeah that's just it it's, listen just just the way you delivered that i, I think you might have a, a career in country music. i know that's what right? I'm saying. It, you could yeah, easily that, that sounded too good yeah you could <laughs> you could easily just pick up a guitar play you know uh, uh, just three chords and just throw some of that on there <laughs> yeah it's like it's like refrigerator magnets you know yeah oh for get, sure get, get a dozen of those words and mix them up and Getting get write a new song, <laughs> and yeah, I think you know, especially like I think in the '90s when like the 
the Keith Urban kind of took over, mm. like the late '90s, kind of that generic country music is when I stopped listening. So yeah, yeah, you know, and I, yeah, I, I'm pulled both ways. I, I know, I, I know that Urban is is a killer guitar player. Um, who's the other guitar player that I really like? I, I, I just honestly, I just don't. I couldn't name a single Urban <laughs> yeah. song. I just don't listen to it anymore. Yeah, yeah. there's not, there's not enough time in the day to to go to keep up with every every genre of music so i pick and choose yeah it's, anyway it's like yeah like brad paisley and keith urban are great, great guitar players great guitar players just the music is not good yeah <laughs> yeah pa- yeah pa- paisley's the guy i was thinking of he's awesome yeah, yeah. and, and yeah, but, uh, you know the the thing is is that i just kind of enjoy hearing the uh just the great musicianship is you know if you could if you could put lyrics aside uh, on on most anything honestly the musicianship will you know speak for itself you know somebody who's very good at playing instruments I mean that alone is enough to to catch me and, and keep my attention well I wish there were yeah yeah that, I think that's great that's that makes a good music listener a good music fan. <laughs> Yeah, I, people like you that I really like having in an audience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, so thank you for telling us the story, Tom. So uh, now we're into the segment, How Wisconsin Are You? And we got about eight to ten questions to find out if you've done these Wisconsin things. Okay. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little older than you guys, so I, I might not remember some, but, but I'll make something <laughs> up. So All right, the first one, have you been to Summerfest, and did you have a favorite band you saw there? Um, I went to Summerfest, um, and I, I, play, I performed at Summerfest uh, three or four times. I was with a gypsy swing band called Harmonious Whale for those performances, um, kind of an acoustic jazz, well, gypsy swing, uh, they're, and they're still active here in Madison. Um, I, but I didn't go to other shows. I was in and out, and what I can tell you about it, um, actually, I happened to hear... Um, uh, um, your, your, your buddy from, from, uh, horseshoes, uh, the other day, um, yeah. on a, a previous broadcast, uh, he was talking about seeing Paul Simon. I think I didn't go hear any other groups there. We, um, when you perform at the, at the, um, the, the smaller stages at Summerfest, you, you park about four miles away and they, <laughs> they, they bus you and your, your equipment in on these little golf carts and stuff. And in our case, we were on a very small stage set up between some of the bigger stages, like the PAP stage and all of that. And so your, your little stage is overwhelmed with sounds coming in from all over, you know, all over. And, and the sound, we were there on day, you know, usually late in the festival. The sound men have been working, um, you know, about 20 hours a day for 10 straight days. They're all surly. I didn't find <clears throat> Summerfest to be a particularly fun uh, fun experience yeah it sounds so sorry like to rain, sorry to rain on your summer fest parade no no it, absolutely it, it not. Sounds... i prefer most other festivals to summer fest summer fest has kind of just become the more commercialized uh you know i think it's the largest music festival you know so yeah yeah oh, right. that's my summer that's that's, yeah. that's your take next, on Summerfest. I mean, I next can't imagine question. hauling all that equipment on a small golf cart, no. like big amplifiers and stuff. It yeah. just seems nuts. But <laughs> All right, so next question I got for you. Uh, have you been to a supper club, and do you have a favorite? I've been to a supper club. Um, I've been to several, but that's one of my memory questions. Down here in Madison, there's Smokies, um, which is um, 
I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's, oh, it's yeah. right in town on the, on the west side of town. And, uh, and, uh, and I don't know if Jimmy's Dell Bar in the Dells um, counts as a supper club or not. Yeah. But, but, um, but I went there and had a great meal, and what I liked about it, it was that it was really quiet. It was just really quiet. That's really nice. Didn't have, I know a lot of people like the hustle and bustle, but when, we, when you're with a, a group of friends, I like to, uh, I like to be able to hear them <laughs> across the table. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, and years ago, as I traveled the state, um, uh, you know, I, I'm a Wisconsin guy, so my whole music career has been traveling the state, and I'm sure I've stopped in a lot of them whose names I can no longer remember. <laughs> yeah, I think the two memorable ones for me in Madison are Smokies and the Tornado Room are the two that I've yeah, been to. Yeah, but yeah, I've been to the Tornado Room too. That's been a while, but uh, yeah, famous for steaks there, boy. Oh, it's so out. good. I love that place. <laughs> All right, next question, and this one's the one that stumps a lot of people, and we want to get your take on it. Uh, what do you consider to be the Northwoods of Wisconsin or up north? Baraboo. <laughs> Baraboo? Yeah. Hey, no, that's... no, no, no. <laughs> that's okay. um, I, I, I thought for sure you'd ask me where I'm from, but I'm from Green Bay originally. Okay. So um, I was. I always looked at. Uh, to me, it was the you know Manaqua area, you know, um, and points points up there, Manaqua Eagle River, um, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, when 51 turns into one lane, you know you're up north. <laughs> like... Yeah, yeah. We we used to say north of eight. Yep, that's that's the go to. Right, right. Yep, yep. All right. So next question I got for you: Have you ever hit a deer? Um, no. Oh wow, that's awesome not. that you have not. <laughs> um, I consider myself lucky. I I the, once I hit a, a really big raccoon and I felt horrible. I just horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I always get super depressed when I hit an animal, no matter what it is. You don't want to kill it. Right. You know? They're it's... just going about their day, and then all of a sudden, hey, you know, <laughs> yeah. your yeah. your paths yep. cross, and it's uh, totally unfortunate for the critter. Yep. Yeah. No, I'm uh, knock on wood on that one. <clears throat> awesome. And so the next one I got for you, um, do you eat beer brats, and is there a beer you use, Tom? Um, <laughs> I... Uh, I just don't eat. Um, I don't eat many brats anymore. Maybe just once a summer or something. You know, both my wife and I have turned into into pretty good. Um, well, my wife's always been a great cook, uh, and I'm learning from her. And uh, and brats doesn't doesn't make it onto the list very often. <laughs> no. But you know, but again, I still I still travel. Uh, I still travel a lot in the summer and at very festival community events and uh, and you know brats are there and. Yes, I do eat brats every summer. I don't cook them myself. If I used a beer, I I don't think I would be particular. I like lots of beers, and um, I, I even though I eat well, I don't know that I have the taste buds to discriminate between whether um, I'm, it's been it's been boiled in point beer or central waters or something. Yeah, else. right. <laughs> All right, so next one I got I, for you. I, 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 just rather, I would just rather grill the brat and drink the beer. I think yeah. the yes. Beer. Hey. Keep, keep the two separate, but enjoy them together. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> All right. How am I doing so far? Pretty good. Very good. Oh, really good. All right, so next question. Do you have a favorite Dell's water park you go to? No, no. I've always been uh, – I've always looked at um, the, the Dell's area as uh, – uh, I've always turned my nose up at it. 
Yeah, it's it's funny because it's like I'm, 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 it's like little Illinois. I'm too, sophi- I'm too, sophi- I'm too sophisticated for it. <laughs> yeah, and I would I would assume too, being from Green Bay. I mean, there's so much better things closer to you that probably appeal to you more. I mean, the the Dells was always just, uh, I guess, a thing that you know the 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 people from the more southern half of uh, Wisconsin would travel to. My first, you know, my first images of the Dells, it, it, people would talk about it in not not hushed tones exactly, but they would say things like, you know, do you know, do you, have you heard about the Dells? You know, what stuff is down there. There, there was just kind yeah. of this. It was like this, um, I don't know, like this awe or, or, or um, I don't know, at, at, at this crazy place called the Dells. And um, indeed, as I got older and saw the Dells, I thought, yeah, this place is nuts. It's the what? <laughs> just, just water parks and giant fiberglass statues. Yeah. <laughs> so like it's just, the majority yeah. of it. It's angry dads yelling at kids <laughs> yeah, uh, with you, inner you know, tubes on you know the Tommy Tommy what's his name uh, yeah big Tommy show Bartlett there well, yeah Bartlett the show folded this year because of the well they say because of the pandemic I'm, I suppose that's true yeah definitely <laughs> unfortunate but at the same time you know <clears throat> how many times can you travel to to the Dells and see a, a, a water ski show yeah the only thing I'll say now about it is I, I guess I'm happy for anything that that brings money into the state and puts it in people's pockets you know amen amen yeah, I mean, it's funny because Wisconsin has become Illinois' uh, national park, so whatever money they can bring in, hey, we'll take it. Absolutely. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Take their money. Yeah. We we will we will uh, we will definitely take good care of their cash. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So talk talking about beer, Tom. Um, have you been to a brewery tour, and do you have one that you like to go to? Uh, I have not been to a brewery tour. No. And one, but one brewery that I do like to go to, because they have a, a small bar attached with live music. By the way, is, is um, Tyranina in Lake Mills. Are you familiar with that? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah, I've drank many of a Tyranina. Bitter old woman. Yeah. I love that beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they do have really uh, wonderful beers, and um, and they that is one uh, music establishment. It's a very small tap room. <clears throat> Um, although in the summertime they they've expanded their outdoor area, so music is now out, outdoors and live. And for my money, they they just have really one of the nicest lineups of uh, of acoustic music. Um, no, not, I won't say acoustic anymore. They they vary it up, but it's just really high quality, interesting stuff. No commercial stuff. Uh, just. Really good bands from all over. Awesome, Pretty cool. Like That'll that. be one that we. I mean, if if things are you know sort of, sort of returned to normal, then uh, Russ and I will definitely go up there and check that out. Mm-hmm. All right, so I got yeah. one more question, Tom, before we let you go today. Um, and this is a scanny question. We got to see if you hit the trifecta here. So, have you ever tailgated <laughs> at a Brewers, Packers, or a Badgers game? Um. No, I've been I've been to each of those games. Okay. Okay. I grew up in Green Bay, I, um, on the west side, maybe a mile and a quarter from Lambeau. And when I was a kid, this was be I mean, this is um, several redesigns, re- remodelings of the stadium. There were there was this there was cheap chain link fence surrounding the base of the outside of the of the stadium through which it was easy to, to sneak um, it was easy to sneak into to the game so as a kid 
I didn't tailgate there. I didn't have to because I lived so close. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. but but I would I would sneak into the game with my friends. Now, once you got in, first of all, there would be security people who would see you, but they were all middle aged guys who who were big and fat because they drank too much. They drank a lot of beer, <laughs> yeah. and they, so they couldn't they couldn't catch you. So you would run, and then but but there was once once you're inside, there wasn't much you could do. You could just go to those. Uh, those entryways into the stadium were, you know, just the feed the, feed the stands, but there were no empty seats to go sit in, and so you you would you'd have to be like a nomad trying to peek out here and there and just see parts of the game. It was really just just about the experience of sneaking in and being a kid, I guess. Awesome. So no to tailgating, but uh, but uh, I love the I love my memories of uh, sneaking into Lambo. That's such a cool story. Could you imagine today with the new stadium? Yeah. It'd be impossible, but you have and to also, be like Mission Impossible to do it. I mean, it's I'm so envious of all the homes that are right around there that on game days they just get to basically set up a cool shop right out in front of their you know their house, and uh, it, it's totally way way better than any tailgating experience I've had in the parking lot or or parking in someone's front yard and just standing by my vehicle. So definitely really cool. When I, again, when I when I was a kid, we would you know the, the parents would uh, they'd get us McDonald's hamburgers and uh, you know to tide us over and leave us at home with maybe with a babysitter uh, and we'd be out in the yard and every now and then you'd hear this roar from a mile and a quarter away from the stadium <laughs> and you knew some, something something cool just happened you know Bart Starr just uh, threw another touchdown pass to Max McGee or something right <laughs> that's awesome. But, Tom, thank you so much for your time today, and uh, also thank you for providing us with the music. This has been an awesome experience for both of us, and we love the Dangits, and we can't wait to come and see you guys live. So uh, we'll, be ke- we'll be keeping an eye out for the schedule. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that'd, be, yeah, that'd be great. As you travel to do your serious research that I know you're doing, uh, it'd be great to see you guys out sometime. Absolutely, Tom. All right, Tom, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Thanks a lot. All right, bye. All right, bye. Bye-bye. All right, that concludes this episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. If you enjoyed this vulgar display of Wisconsin, please like and subscribe on whatever streaming platform you prefer. And remember to hit the bell on YouTube to be notified when we release new content. Also, if you have any suggestions or ideas for future episodes, please send us an email at widrunkenhistory at gmail.com or head over to our Facebook and Instagram pages. Thanks again for listening. And remember, as always, watch out for deer on your way home.